Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. If we could turn back time And old Sam can't play I'd take back those hits that have hurt you Would you play? I don't know how you did the things you did I don't know why Rule said the things he said Just run it back, still can't block the blind side Tweets are like weapons that wound some guys We didn't really ever quit you We didn't want to see you go Can you name another? But maybe if we could bring back Cam If we could find a way We'll get back all those wrong Was that Hacksaw singing that? Yes, the Hack song. That was pretty good. Yeah, there were some that he could he could nail, and it would come. Up, it would be fan. He has a James Borrego. Who produced that? Because if he produced that himself, that's a very talented young man in Hacksaw. Um. So yeah, yeah, he would record it himself, and uh-huh. him and Colin would get together. And I think Colin would kind of put it together. But Did I hear like a little bit of an auto-tune machine back there? <laughs> Was that T-Pain? I mean, not that, giving him too much credit. I lo- I'm sorry. I <laughs> I was impressed not only by the song; it was great. I just was impressed with the singing ability. We appreciate that. Maybe we can have Hacksaw cook something up for us um, again. That would be fantastic. 704-570-9610. We got some people writing in the text line. 704-570-9610. K-Town Mafia, when you teased the question about maybe the Charlotte Hornets pursuing somebody that could play for the Phoenix Suns, mm-hmm. K-Town guessed it. They said, hell no. Let mm. DeAndre Ayton be somebody else's I'm with problem. you, baby. Enjoy watching Williams grow and be under a rookie contract. Mark Williams gives effort, something that is beyond DeAndre Ayton. Yeah, this one's interesting to me because this comes out where Sean Devaney of Heavy.com, he wrote that they were going to be projected a few teams that are interested in pursuing DeAndre Ayton. Chicago, maybe Toronto would be another team there. But the Charlotte Hornets were mentioned. Now, look, I don't know how much you want to take credit or how much you want to give credit to Devaney. He's done this before. He did this with Andre Drummond. He, you know, he misses, right? That's just how it is. But with DeAndre Ayton, we do know that there were some reports about their interest in going after DeAndre. When it didn't seem like Monty Williams and DeAndre were going to be able to coexist, Indiana gave Ayton an offer sheet. And it was about $30 million per year. It's the contract that he's on right now because the Suns matched it. And they didn't want to lose their number one overall pick for nothing. The same number one overall pick that they took instead of Luka Doncic, who would be selected a few picks later 
alongside Trey Young. So they matched DeAndre Ayton's contract, and he's been good in the postseason before. This is the problem. When they made the finals, DeAndre was awesome. And then even last year, he was better, right? I always used to be a defender. But, Wes, I can't defend what happened with Aiton this postseason. He was outright bad offensively, defensively, playing soft, despite having the body to be physical. He just keeps taking too many jump shots from 10 feet out. We all saw the clip of him not going after a rebound. Do you want to trade somebody like Terry Rozier, to get $30 million free to take on DeAndre Ayton when you have Mark Williams, who already looks like a better defender? I Look, I would have been very interested last year. I'm not interested anymore, Wes. Yeah, me neither. And I mean, this is the guy, like you said, all of the bad traits about him that you talked about and just having a bad reputation as far as with coaching, with teammates, because I saw a clip online, Devin Booker, I believe, came up and said to him, uh, something about imploring him to play harder. And then he just gets up and walks over to the other side where the huddle is not and sits down and has a seat. And I just don't want that type of guy. You've got Mark Williams, a guy that has a lot of promise. He is a physical basketball player. He is a guy that's going to contest at the rim. Block shots. Defense is going to be his calling card. And as far as the draft pick that you bring in, potentially, hopefully, you get the number one pick or two pick. So that's going to take care as far as another big score for your offense. The Hornets don't need Aiden or his offense or the softness or the lack of defense. They don't need any of that. If they pursue him and bring him in, it makes absolutely no sense at all and will further the narrative uh, about this team being devoid of a sound basketball plan. I I don't want to pat myself on the back, but I just want you guys to know this is me growing up because I love DeAndre Aiden. I do. The (laughs) skill set. Remember when he was coming out of college and Jay Billis said he's a Hall of Fame talent. I don't think it was hyperbole. What that guy was doing at Arizona was remarkable. It was it was crazy. And I loved DeAndre. I actually defended the number one overall pick when Luca seemed like the guy that should also be considered. But this guy's athletic, right? You could you thought he could extend the range to the three point line. Sure. And he looked I mean, he's got a good frame. He's not crazy small. This isn't Wimby skinny. And DeAndre just hasn't taken the necessary steps. He's regressed flat out. I mean, he was very good in postseason runs, but I just, it's crazy. I just, after what we saw, you can't go after him at $30 million a year. Now, Jack wrote this in. We should at least be interested in Monty Williams, if not DeAndre Ayton. Let me hear it. Yeah, I figured. I was looking at you, Fiddy. What do you think? You like Monty Williams out there on the free agent market as far as coaches are concerned? I mean, I sent this tweet out five minutes after he got fired. I know there are people that like Clifford. I know Steve Clifford's a pretty good head coach, all things considered, really respected around the league. Mm -hmm. Monty Williams is as good a point guard whispering head coach that exists in the NBA. Your best player is a point guard. I, I, you got it with all the coaches on the table. Monty Williams, Mike Bootenholzer, Nick Nurse, all guys that I think can get a lot more out of Lamelo than Steve Clifford can. There's got to be a conversation, right? So, and that's that's fair. The Steve Clifford point, which if I'm caping for Steve, that's fine. But it's not like Steve Clifford held LaMelo back offensively this year. I didn't say that, but would you trust him more with his future than Monty Williams? I don't. I don't know if I don't know if I trust it less. I mean, okay, this guy coached Chris Paul. 
Okay, but Chris Paul was a uh, was a made product at 35 years old. And he also coached him in New Orleans. No, I know, and that's true. Right, that's, he only had two winning seasons though in New Orleans. Th- that, that's fair. I like Monty Williams as a coach. If you want to have that conversation, totally fine. To me, this is like I would understand it both ways because what you're also doing just just so we can bring the Steve Clifford concept here again. Lamelo has a very good relationship with Steve Clifford. Had one James Borrego and they fired him. Yeah, but it seems a little bit stronger. With Steve Clifford right now? Does like, it? Yeah. No, it does. Well, listen to LaMelo, how much he talks about Steve. And, I mean, I look, Steve Clifford's also a pretty good point guard whisperer. Think about what he did with Kimba during his days here. And Kimba Walker, there is that report from when Kimba was going absolutely nuclear, when it was an actual topic on around the horn during the first two months of the season. Is there any way Kimba could actually win MVP on a team that loses as much as Charlotte when he went for 60 against Philadelphia, when he was straight balling? There was also Zach Lowe, who went on ESPN.com and talked about the maturation process of Kimba, where Kimba would go to Steve Clifford. He'd say, look, I just can't do the shooting form anymore. I have to go back to the old ways. And Steve was very upfront and said, fine, that's okay. But you can just be a middle-of-the-road point guard if you want to, if you don't change your form. He does, becomes one of the better three-point shooting guys, and sure enough, becomes a multi-time all-star that just couldn't keep up because the explosion, the knees couldn't handle. That's just what it was. Monty Williams is a good coach. If they decided to move on, Especially if you bring in new ownership, if Michael decided to sell and it's Plotkin and it's Rich Schnall, minority owner with the Atlanta Hawks right now, and they decided to move on, I'd be cool to embrace Monty Williams, Mike Budenholzer, 50 games, uh, 50 wins a season type of guy, just doesn't make adjustments in the postseason. But there's a good coaching pool to choose from. Yeah, but some of these guys, too, I'm okay with Clifford staying in over some of these other guys because some of them, too, you have to look at the circumstances there. And yes, they're good head coaches, but come on now. Coach Clifford knows ball. He can coach. We know defensively the changes that he's gotten this team to make. I mean, Mike Budenholzer, you had Giannis. You had Chris Middleton. There's no Giannis here. Monty Williams had Devin Booker. He got KD this past year, but then he had Aiton and CP when CP was a, a little bit less mileage on him. And, yeah, he was able to take him to the finals, and it was a nice job. And I do think Monty Williams is a great coach, but I think as far as fits and coming here with the personnel that they have here, I think he could do a good job. But I think I'd like to see what Coach Clifford could do with a fully stocked Hornets roster. I will say Monty Williams can drop a play. I I really like X's and O's wise. Uh, Monty Williams is a good coach. Same thing with Budenholzer. The problem with Budenholzer is that he's a very large sample size type of coach. And Steve Clifford's whole thing, you know, God, I want to get there. (laughs) I want to get to the postseason. But Steve Clifford does preach every single game that every 82-game season that you play is all to gear up for the postseason. Yes, it would be fantastic to get there, right? Like, we can't just look over that step. But it doesn't seem like Budenholzer, once you get to the postseason, makes enough adjustments. And I don't want to be too simplistic in my assessment of Budenholzer, but that's always been his biggest problem. That's always been his biggest criticism, and they got dropped in the first series against Miami. Now, but look at the look at the off the court issues that man had to deal with. You gotta, that's Budenholzer. Well, his brother died during the series. Well, yeah, and that's fair. But also, we've talked about look. Yes, when the you bring when you won br- a championship. When you yes, he did. When you bring that into consideration, we also have had problems with Milwaukee before in the postseason. Remember all of this criticism towards Giannis too before he actually won, and then we could do the whole shoe size Kevin Durant thing. You know, like that was a famous joke that past off season. Mm-hmm. But if he's just an inch away, then Brooklyn ends up winning, right? I'd be cool with Bro- Mike Budenholzer. I'd be cool with Monty Williams. I don't know if you're Michael Jordan. 
as long as he's still the owner of this team, I don't know if you're looking so far ahead to get out from the Steve Clifford contract. But but I do like a lot of those other coaches as well. Uh, the other thing, real quickly, there were some rumors, and this one comes in from Jake Fisher. This one, legitimate. This one, real. That the Suns would be interested in maybe a Fred Van Vliet of Toronto or a Terry Rozier. That coming in from Jake Fisher. We've heard this before. This is what got maybe the Chris Paul, Terry Rozier change, that, that exchange kind of rumors happening. We talked about that a little bit. What would you say about trading Terry Rozier? If you bring on Chris Paul, maybe you move on no. from him immediately. Well, you would buy him out. So that would be the thing, right? He, w- he wouldn't play <laughs> alongside LaMelo. But would you? I mean, the whole hometown connection, you wouldn't at least give that a year just to be able to get that and for him to be able to mentor Melo if he was willing to do it. Yeah, I don't know if Chris, fair, because I don't know that he would, but let's just say he would be willing to play here in Charlotte. Remember, people were flirting with that conversation about the Suns being better without Chris Paul. And one of the biggest reasons was that Chris Paul slows the game down to a snail's pace. You know who is the exact opposite type of point guard? It's LaMelo Ball. Yeah. And so you have two drastic, drastic differences in how each of those guys play. Is that too much of a difference for guys to be able to, okay, coalesce to the way LaMelo plays and then Chris Paul? Are they playing together? How is that working? I think that would be hard. So I think you'd probably bring him on, work out a buyout. It's a partially guaranteed contract, and then it's not guaranteed the next year. Two more years left on his deal. So maybe you could explore that. So that would be interesting. But Charlotte, people are going to be clamoring for them to make moves. And we've already heard Mitch Kupchak say, maybe we're just bringing back guys that already were on the team. Miles Bridges is who we think. And a big one, of course, will the Hornets get the number one overall pick? Right, baby, we need Mark Williams to bring it home, bring back Wimby. I need everybody to meditate. I want everybody to meditate during the break tonight to make sure, and even tomorrow, just to make sure that we can be one with the NBA draft lottery, the ping pong balls, with the Hornet logo on them, and hopefully Adam Silver, Mark Tatum, whoever's announcing it, we can get some good luck here in Charlotte once again. All right, we have a couple more segments to go. Let's go back to the Carolina Panthers. What would you say is the biggest weakness on the roster right now? Aaron Schatz of Football Outsiders had his thoughts. We'll get to those in a moment on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. Sometimes Fiddy will dance and it'll get me. In fact, it's not sometimes, it's every time. Bringing something new to the table every time we come back with an intro. Garage Door Guru text line is 704-570-9610. We've been asking for the jingles, the songs that get in your head and just do not leave. Wolfpack James, I would say that this is in contention to be the best entry so far today. I'm selling it high. You ready? All right. 
Wolfpack James said, what about conjunction junction? What's your function for Schoolhouse Rock? I'm surprised y'all even know about that. Schoolhouse Rock? Oh, yeah. We're not that that young. That's young. My mom and them watched that stuff. But but, but the thing about it is, (laughs) right, but it, it stood for generations. Wait, I mean, yeah. that, that thing was going to be played. Everybody got to know that. I I would think, especially with I'm Just a Bill. Oh, oh a lonely God. Bill. That's great, man. That's a, I'm mm-hmm. trying to think, what was the actual Bill with a trivia question? It was something about bus stops, right? Was it something like that? I don't know. We can get our research team on it. What so, about I'm Loving at McDonald's? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah. Just the tune? I mean, the good news is that it, it's really short, so it just leaves. Push the T. Uh, that's such a good story. <laughs> the fact that he made a Wendy's disc. Please, Jim Jones. When, when Pusha T is coming out with one of the most recognizable jingles of all time and makes a fast food disc, Jim Jones. I got two. Pusha T, uh, baby back ribs. Great one. Mm. Yeah, that one was very <laughs> catchy. He's thinking about ribs That right was now. very catchy. And then um, what was that one, that country song that everybody was dancing to in the Applebee's commercial? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was talking about. I don't Ain't know. she like Applebee's mm-hmm. on a date night? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what was the one that you've been singing? You've been singing the jingle, Last Night We Let the Liquor Talk. Is that right? Oh, yeah, that's Morgan Wallen, baby. You've been singing that one a lot. That one, that one heard, will pop up in the fishbowl quite a bit. I heard it last night. I'm listening to the I'm a Bill song right now, by the way. Trying to figure out what kind of Bill he was. Well, you remember uh, Green Giant back in the day? Mm-mm-mm. Green Giant. Oh, uh, so that. Ho, ho, ho. I think he said. That's what he said. Uh, yes. That doesn't seem In the right. Valley of the Jolly. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Green Giant. Uh, Barefoot Bob, we buy any car.com. Yeah. That's, yes. That, that's an underrated one on these airways. Yeah. Most people we go. We buy any car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Most people will go cars for kids. But you're right. That's a great one. Thank you for writing that one in. And yes, the bill was about a bus stop. Okay. And are, can you can you remember the scene in your head at all? Where yeah. he's sitting on Capitol Hill. For sure. I remember. With the little redhead. Mm-hmm. Is that kid not from Frosty the Snowman? It could be. I, I feel guess it could like, be. I feel like I feel like he has a doppelganger or he has a, you know, they just kind of slid him in and we didn't realize it. Um, Moose wrote in Barbie Girl. That one's a bad one. Yeah. You talk about one that I hate the most That's in my head. Song. Yeah. Girl. Yeah, I, I even, know about that. Yeah, that one's a bad one. Then Wolfpack James with another great one. Bill Nye the Science Guy. Oh, you talk yeah. about getting lit in the classroom if Bill <laughs> Nye was about to grace us with this present. <laughs> and Stacey, and Moose just sent in Stacy's mom. Yeah. It's another good one. Moose coming in with some good ones there. Uh, absolutely. All right, 704-570-9610. I don't, I, are you, I don't know if I can ask you. When you laugh, I want to hear what you're laughing about, but I'm also scared. Can you bring this one to the airwaves or not? I was just laughing about like just singing Stacy's mom in my head. Like, Stacy's mom has got it going on. If we had to rank, sing and bust it. Oh, I know. I was about to say, you get, we got to get you to sing something today. I've you sh- sang many times, though. I, I know you have. Yeah, you've definitely <laughs> sing a lot more than I did. Reading Rainbow. Oh yes, I can go anywhere. <laughs> Just take a look. Oh, it's in a book. Nationwide. With reading. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, Nationwide is on your side. <laughs> that's a great. That's a great one too. All right, let's get to some Panthers talk, man. I promise we're gonna get to some sports conversation. Biggest weakness on the Panthers roster. Wes, you said you even agreed with Aaron Schatz before you looked at the rundown. Cornerback is what Aaron writes about with it being the biggest weakness. I have no problem putting this as the biggest weakness because your best spot is J.C. Horn. He is a very good cornerback. If he goes down, that means Dante Jackson, Keith Taylor, C.J. Henderson, 
they're all left scrambling to cover whatever big receiver that you have in the NFC South, whether it be a Drake London, a Mike Evans, or a Chris Godwin. You're talking about a lot of big old receivers. Or you're having to deal with one of the burners, which means Dante Jackson has to come off of that fast guy. Henderson has been beat a million times. That's not Keith Taylor's strong suit. Yeah, I have no problem putting corner here as the biggest weakness. Yeah, I agree with that as well because of the fact of the injury that the injuries that have been suffered by J.C. Horn, because once he goes out, this easily turns into one of the worst cornerback units in the league right now as it stands. They brought in a lot of undrafted free agents, and we'll see what happens there. But this is just a unit that's one injury away from being one of the league's worst. The depth is the problem because if you feel, and this is what we've talked about, if you are just going to put out your starters, and we've had the Dante Jackson conversation, but I agree, it's not anything I feel great about with Dante as your second corner. I feel very, very good with J.C. Horn, but if one of those guys goes down and both of them have real injury problems. one of them goes down. Uh, yeah. Number no, eight. No, it's fair. He goes down. No, and that's fair. That That's fair. <laughs> that, that goes, well, and that even goes into my point more so about, I like Dante Jackson in a very specific role, being number two corner, dealing with a small smaller wide receiver where he doesn't have to get pushed around where he's not going to be susceptible to giving up body control on slant routes where you can just probably eat all day against Dante, especially with somebody that is six, two or above. Right. But in that specific role, I'm comfortable with it. Would you also put up opposite edge rusher or just edge rusher in general? Would you put that up with this position in cornerback being the weakest? Yeah, no doubt about it. Because when you talk about Brian Burns, he's not yet a complete pass rusher. So when you talk about his game and as far as being able to rely on him to have that impact of maybe a Miles Garrett or a Nick Bosa that can just dominate a guy so bad that he can open up things for everybody else, sure. And then you go on the other side and you've yet to find a guy that can be uh, a a double-digit sack potential type of player. So you also look there as well. And I think you also, if you want to add one more, you know, to the group, I would say a wide receiver at this point because there's so much unknown Uh, They have, like I said, Adam Thielen, who's perceived to be over the hill. DJ Chark has a lot of unknowns as well. Terrence Marshall hasn't quite lived up to his potential. And then Jonathan Mingo, again, as a rookie. So I think that's Mm -hmm. another unit that you look at that's got a lot of uncertainty right now. Like, they've got some some dependable guys in a way, but nothing that's going to be a tremendous difference maker. Well, so with all of the celebration that has surrounded the coaching staff and all of the hires, do the wild card spots get the benefit of the doubt here? Because if if it's going to be 50-50 on whether these guys actually produce, let's talk about Terrace Marshall, whoever you want to bring up as a wild card, because we have some of that. DJ Chark, maybe. I think his is more just health-related. But any of the wild cards, should they get the benefit of the doubt because you are talking about a lot, a lot of prowess, especially on the offensive side, to defend both of them, right? Both sides have some very good coaching but is benefit of the doubt given to some of these guys because of the guys that you hired on the staff? Not really, in my opinion. I, I I think it helps a little bit, but I think by this point in their careers, a lot of these guys are what they are. Now, just coaching will come into play as far as are you going to put them in the right scheme and, and get them open enough like different receivers? Are you going to scheme them open as far as Ezra Evero is concerned? Is he going to be able to do enough to mask maybe a lack of a, a a really good pass rush on the other side of Brian Burns? What can he do to make up for that misgiving? So I think that's where they come into play. But as far as just elevating these players to levels that they've never been before, I don't necessarily see that coming. I mean, DJ Chark's been a solid player. Adam Thielen's been a solid player. Hayden Hurst has been a solid player. So I think when you come here, 
they come here, that's what you're going to get from these guys. And then maybe one has a, a, a breakout year just because of circumstance. Maybe you get an Adam Thielen because he's the de facto number one. He goes above what you may think that he's going to do. So I think that's where uh, some of these things come to play as far as guys maybe stepping up and having better years than what you think. Well, and we talk a lot about Terrace, and maybe it's because I bring him up, but I, I think he's interesting. I, I think with Terrace, there's a couple things working towards the positive side of the doubt. It's the coaching staff with Frank Reich, with Thomas Brown, with Jim Caldwell. But if you don't buy into that, we also have to understand, despite what Doug Kazarian of ESPN says, there is an upgrade at QB. So if Terrace came on strong at the end with Sam Darnold giving you the best QB play that we've had the last couple of seasons, right? At least at the back half of what he was giving you when Steve Wilkes took over and all that. If you have the good offensive coaching staff, if you have Bryce Young at quarterback and Terrace Marshall was still able to take a step up in the last eight games, that's why I'm excited to see a better offensive coordinator, a better scheme with a better QB. This is why, to me, I'm cool with Jonathan Mingo and Terrace Marshall outperforming expectations and having the ball spread around a little bit. Yeah, and so I think that when you talk about somebody that could elevate, it could be the quarterback just because you check out, all right, so we go back to the receivers again. So then you have a guy that you know is going to get you the football. You know his demeanor. He's always going to be a guy never too high, never too low. Well, yeah, of course, guys are going to want to, quote, unquote, run through a wall for that guy, run those routes just a little bit harder, do something uh, more just a little bit for that. Then the defense sees the offense and what they can bring to the table and the fact that Bryce Young is doing more with what's going to be perceived as less then perhaps that will elevate guys to kind of play at another level. You hear about those type of players all the time. Yes, the coaches can do that to an extent, but I think a player like Bryce Young or a quarterback that could come in and energize guys can do that as well. Uh, I don't want to live in the past here, but I do wonder, like, how many receiving yards do you think DJ Moore would get if he was now into this system with Bryce Young as your QB? Because this is someone that we did have reached 1100 yards except for this past year where it was a revolving door of sad QB play I mean let's just call it what it is and even then he got right almost at 900 I think he was 20 yards shy but something like that would DJ I mean would this be the breakout season where not even breakout but would you get 1300 oh no question I think I mean perhaps Putting a number on 1,300 isn't out of the realm of possibility. And I think certainly if he's able to stay healthy with a guy like Bryce Young, you expect nothing less than a 1,000-yard season from him. So as we talk more about this, maybe I started this combo off with the coaching staff, but maybe we should have started it off with Bryce Young because we do have such high expectations, especially with the way, like, yeah, Wes, you have some shoes to fill with how good Cam Newton was here in Carolina, but that's also been a while ago. Like they got to the postseason with him in 2017, but since then, it's been Teddy Bridgewater with the best consistent QB play that you've had post-star Cam Newton. And then even Sam Darnold, the last whatever many games that you want to put with Darnold, but that was the best after that. We've had to do the Kyle Allen thing. We had to do the Baker Mayfield thing. We had to do P.J. Walker stuff. Like It's been awful. It's not like Bryce Young is coming fresh off of the heels after Cam Newton. And so if that is the comparison, we feel very good to the point where maybe those guys can't produce because you have the number one overall selection. It wouldn't take much for him to give you the best quarterback play that they've had in Carolina since Cam. And I know you think highly enough to have him be the GOAT 
I don't know how soon. Like how soon? How soon is he going to be the Carolina go? Uh, I would say after three seasons, I think we'll begin to see just that he is that. Because like I said, I just think that, yes, Cam did bring a lot as far as the legs. He brought a lot with the swag. And yes, Cam was a pretty good passer as well. I just think when we see how this guy operates, the efficiency, as I talk about the Drew Brees-like numbers, because I could see him by year three, year four, putting up easily over 40, I mean, 4,000 to 4,500 yards passing and throwing in the upper 30s as far as touchdown passes is concerned. I mean, that's just what I think of the guy. Um, I am also, we've talked about this a, a decent amount too, but... With low interceptions too, I'll add. With, with Bryce Young, yeah, I, I agree. I think you're not going to see a lot of the challenging. I mean, you're, you're going to see the challenging, but I agree. I think the lower turnover numbers are going to be there with Bryce Young. I, I do wonder where the easy receptions are going to come from in the backfield because it's all about miles. They, they just don't, they didn't make any other moves there. It's Blackshear, which okay, like actually stepped in and did a decent job, but we know just how much Chuba Hubbard has struggled with catching the football. We, we've seen that quite a bit, even though he ran a lot better. I want to give him credit because we were all really worried about him being a guy that has to step up alongside Deontay Foreman, but I think really did so running between the tackles. It's just the pass catching ability is not necessarily there for him. So now you're talking about Blackshear. You're hoping that you get some of that from a Miles Sanders. So are you doing the whole LaVisca Chenault, the Ben McAdoo route special where all you're doing is just putting him in the flats and then seeing how many yards he can get with that, that physical play? I think that the backs are going to get their share of catches just because Bryce plays the type of football. He's going to take what the defense gives him. Well, it's and only so Sanders, though, default, right? Or do you think Chuba ups his game, Well, too? I think by default, he's going to hit the backs. It's on them whether or not they're going to catch the ball. But, but I that's think, a problem. Yeah, I think that if the dump off, because I don't think these guys are incapable of catching the ball. I just think that when the time comes and what the defense gives him, if it is for him to dump it off to a back, and I think that will have him getting them their share of touches as well in the passing game. Yeah, I think that's a big deal, though, especially when you talk about even just picking up and pass protection, too. I don't. I guess I, I don't know how good Miles Sanders is is that. I know that was one of the things we always celebrated with Christian McCaffrey. Not only is he a quarterback's best friend, just being an excellent weapon out of the backfield, but also he would pick up a blitz very well. And Deontay Foreman, don't know how good Deontay was at that. It's not like he was scared of contact. It's just you got to have recognition, okay, who's coming on a blitz and what gap. Does Miles, is Miles somebody that's good at that as well? That'll be another reason as to whether he's able to maximize the amount of snaps that he plays. Because... He has every opportunity to be the lead back. Absolutely. And we'll just see how much Chuba Hubbard will eat into some of those snaps. We skipped it last hour. Not this time. Let's go to the Fitty Flash. It's all right to be a little Fitty. A little hometown or a big old city. Might as well share. Might as well smile. Life goes on for a little Fitty. Wow. All right, guys. Got something that's going to probably set the table for something we'll talk about a little bit more in depth on tomorrow's show. But Brett McMurphy of the Action Network and Ross Dellinger of SI, they have both confirmed reporting that Clemson, Florida State, Miami, UNC, NC State, Virginia, and Virginia Tech have met in the past several months with lawyers examining grant of rights to determine just how unbreakable their deal with the ACC is. Of course, they're still under contract by the conference through 2036. We've long, wor- we've long worried about the future of the ACC. Could we see a breakaway? 
these seven schools are being called the quote magnificent seven <laughs> may be experience or may be experimenting their exit from the conference yeah i think that's very interesting to see that just when you think you're out of the waters with that here we go again and so I think that at the end of the day, they're not going to find much to be able to break away, even though I know they're trying. But when you look at the current FBS TV contracts, the ACC ranks fifth, and it's a big gap between the Big Ten, the SEC, and the ACC. The Big Ten, or the, yeah, the Big Ten is at a billion dollars on their TV deal. The SEC is at 811 million. ACC coming in at fifth, coming in at fifth, 240 million their TV contract is worth. So they're going to have to do something and get some more Skrilla up uh, as well because that is a big deficiency. Well, we've talked about Jim Phillips being the commissioner of the ACC. Yeah. Here's priority number one. Here's what you got right now. Trying to keep TV the Magnificent deal. Seven altogether. We've got one more segment with the Magnificent Three coming up next to close it out before <laughs> the Kyle Bailey Show. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm calling BS on a comment from Fitty. And I do want to know what everybody else would think in this scenario as well. 704-570-9610. Fiddy, after he updated us on some of the schools in the ACC, the Magnificent Seven, North Carolina being included in that list, meeting with lawyers to potentially just gauge what it would mean to break from their contract with the ACC and move on to a different league, move Mm -hmm. to a different conference, which is weird. Right. Like North Carolina leaving the ACC would I don't even know. I I can't even describe how hard it would be to wrap my head around that because they've been so synonymous with the ACC. Fiddy said if Carolina left the ACC, I think that would be it for me being a college sports fan or a college basketball fan. I don't see it, but you really think that there would be a possibility your college sports fandom, along with being a Carolina fan, would actually leave you? I mean, me and Colin have kind of had side conversations about this within the last month. Like, we're both Carolina basketball diehards. That's that's why, that's why I'm here. That's I'm pretty sure that's why he's here. If they were to leave, it just wouldn't it wouldn't it wouldn't be Carolina basketball like we know it. And so it'd be something where I'd be like, Man, you gave me great fifteen years. <laughs> but thank you. Like Carolina, Penn State doesn't hit the same as Carolina, not even Carolina, Boston College. Like if they went to the SEC, maybe. Yeah. Because like you'd be playing big boy football and that's becoming a better basketball conference by the year. But I don't know, man. I'm with you. I mean, it scares the hell out of me. I I wouldn't lose my fandom for them. I mean, I'm not as diehard as you are. Certainly not anymore. But I wouldn't. I'd still always pull for Carolina. 
I would just always have a rooting interest for them. Mm-hmm. But it would definitely feel weird. What about seeing a team that you played for, Wes, in Wake Forest? Will that love ever even be dwindled down a little bit if they leave the ACC? No, not at all. I mean, I'm still going to be watching, still rooting for them no matter what. And Fiddy being a content creator, he's got to see it from the other side. He's got to eat off the carcass yeah, but once- of the ACC in that point, and there'll be plenty of content and plenty of room for him to vent and go viral off some of his rants. And then, but once the carcass doesn't have any meat to pick over anymore, <laughs> yeah. it's just bones that aren't doing anything. Well, he'll be in him. a new league, so then he can start <laughs> going in with that but, stuff. But he already left. That's the thing. Uh, yeah. Wolfpack James said, I kind of agree with Fiddy. I feel the same way about NC State sports. I would be ruined well, if the ACC broke up. And I, and I said this to you guys in the in the break. What name did I not say in that initial reporting? I did not say Duke. Yeah, Bradley Blanks wrote that in. Sorry, I missed it, but it, were they on? No, they were not on the list, which that's a great point. Too. And, it, and it hits a little bit different for Carolina to not have what is considered the best rivalry in college sports. You know, I don't, I don't want to have the Ohio State-Michigan debate. Just you get the idea. That, that would be even a unique thing for a school of like Carolina to lose something of that magnitude. Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've kind of come to the conclusion, because football dominates this, and we all know that. If the ACC were to fold as a football conference, it's not going to, I'm not going to get mad about it. If they could be with the Big East season still, the Big East is still function as a basketball conference, and Carolina, Duke, State, they all remain there, I probably wouldn't hate it as much. Like, I, back then, that probably wouldn't force me to be like, okay, I'm closing the book. But I, I know what Wes saying from a content creator, but I create the content because of my fandom and my passion. Mm-hmm. It's going to change if they're no longer playing these schools that for the last 15 years I have hated with the passion that grows by the day. Well, and, and talking about just the SEC compared to the Big Ten, it, it's also college sports are regional. So if you still have people that grow up around you that are fans of the school in your conference or schools in your conference – you can you can have some good back and forth with SEC fans here in the Carolinas. You know, we know plenty of South Carolina fans. You know, you don't have to go all that far to hit Georgia or Alabama or some of the schools, right? Like North Carolina is in the South, okay? You are very regionally close to a lot of the teams in that conference. I think, therefore, you could have some of that life. But when you're talking about North Carolina and what? I mean, you mentioned Penn State, which is a great example. Rutgers. But, yeah, what about Northwestern? What a piss cast away. Yeah. Tough road matchup tonight at the rack. Oh, good. Good old Tar Heel Wildcats battle <laughs> between Northwestern and the legendary Carolina Blue Mafia. Like, yeah. just, that's not going to hit the same board. I can no, see if not. you want to talk about Carolina Auburn in a basketball game, even with Auburn barely coming alive here in the last five years with their basketball program, that just seems better to me as far as some kind <laughs> of, you know, conference matchup than it does with, I like, even Iowa. Hell, we go to Iowa to get some talent like Harrison Barnes and Marcus Page, but I want to play them. Not in a conference <laughs> game. That's not what I want to do. 704-570-9610. Uh, some good commentary coming in on the text line about if the ACC were to break up with some of those schools we mentioned. Let's also go to what happened on this day in sports history. Fiddy, take us away. All right, guys. On this day in 1941, Joe DiMaggio got a hit of against Eddie Smith of the Chicago White Sox to start his famous 56-game hitting streak. Now, the Yankees would lose that game in blowout fashion, but that started a streak that still lives today. We talk a lot about individual feats and stuff like that. From a performance standpoint, getting a hit in 56 straight games, 
Is this the most impressive individual feat in sports history? I don't even know if it's the best individual feat in baseball history. Yeah, I, I agree. I got to go with Cal Ripken. I just think the Cal Ripken record is going to be... He just stood on the field, though, is what Drew told that's us. That's what Drew told us the other day, <laughs> yes. For those that don't know, uh, one of our marketing uh, representatives came in here with some hot takes, and he said that Cal Ripken basically won the longest participation trophy of all time, despite being an immediate Hall of Famer, two-time MVP, all that. I just don't think that that record is crazy. I mean, we don't... If, if you go look at some of the other consecutive game streaks for baseball players, even now, it's, it is grossly grossly not even in the same neighborhood um but yeah this one's tough what what say you on some of the other individual feats west that people have accomplished yeah i mean you look at even the home run records in in baseball when guys are breaking those in a season so yeah it is very much a good accomplishment 56 straight games getting a hit but no i, I can't say it's the greatest feat in sports just to show you how many people have gotten close to it pete rose got close in 78 when he was at 44 so still 12 did games he gamble to go. that he wouldn't get it the it, night that he didn't it, 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 that's correct <laughs> well that's that's the rule about pete rose though you can gamble you just got to bet on yourself yeah. and so i'm sure pete rose actually lost money on that uh, on that 45th game because it was only 44. <laughs> I'm sure he lost money. He would have kept going, though. That's the problem. Uh, Jimmy Rollins got somewhat close in 05, 06. I think Chase Utley had a real long one in 06. Yeah, 35 as oh, I look at God. it right now. Chase Utley, weird uh, weird sports hate for you? Oh, it's not weird. He took out Miguel DeHaan in 2015 NLDS. Okay. Flounder often says he's a, one of the few guys he would spit in his face. Oh, whoa. Yeah, it's like that for him. That's some real hate. Yeah. Wow. Is that how does how long is that list of guys that Flounder or you would actually spit in the face of? Because that's about as disrespectful as it gets. Yeah. I mean, it's up there. Yeah. I'm I sure. mean, he's not one. I'm sure it is up there for you. NASCAR Brad, he said also Richard Petty, 200 NASCAR wins. That's a good entry. Yeah, for sure. but when you race four times a week, like it's easy to stack no, wins. Don't diminish, don't diminish that from Richard Petty. That's a great one. I'm trying to think of some of the other ones that are impressive. I mean, we can just go to the Boston Celtics, Bill Russell with the titles. I guess it's not individual, yeah, but Jimmy he was Johnson, the leader of that. Talk NASCAR winning the sixth straight. Oh, man, it was a long time. They call time. him old six times. <laughs> Is that what they call him? They would, yeah. They would watch up on the broadcast. We call him <laughs> old six times. Kind of a lame nickname, to be honest. <laughs> old six time Jimmy Johnson. All right. Now when you got six championships. Yeah, I guess so. He can't, he can't hear me with uh, all the accomplishments that he has achieved in his life. That'll do it for Sports Radio 92.7. Yeah. Oh, undoubtedly, no. Kyle. Oh, come on, Kyle. No, I just want to have a stare down with this guy across the room here. Well, Jeez. I always, I always <laughs> get mixed up. Like, so many times I kick it to you and you're just hanging. And Brother, sometimes... I'll talk to you anytime. You, Wes. <laughs> too. This guy over here, though? Uh-huh. Uh-oh. I don't know. So he <laughs> throws up in people's yards indiscriminately. <laughs> I covered it up with a leaf. With How did you do it with a leaf? Was it the world's biggest leaf? What it was, was that? It was just like half a cereal you throw bar. up a Fig Newton bar? Like, <laughs> Pretty what did, much, yes. That's disgusting. Also, Miss Rachel, I heard that comment coming in Yes, earlier. I know. So we, we were told <laughs> to ask you. We, so the theme of the day has been, right. what are the songs that get in your head nonstop? Right. And somebody told us to ask you about Miss Rachel's song. Yeah, no, my, my daughter has every single, because it's a YouTube series, right? <laughs> this woman, Miss Rachel, is a phenomenon. She's got 10 of millions of views. I mean, she's probably got tens of millions of dollars. It's one of those things that we all wish we'd have thought of doing, right? right. Basically starting a kindergarten class and a pre-K class on YouTube. And she's, you know, insanely wealthy now. All the, It's like a remix of a lot of the songs, you know, like the wheels on the bus and uh, Itsy Bitsy Spider, but a lot of her originals too. My daughter has every single two hour long episode memorized, right? <laughs> so when certain songs come on, she's walking like, Daddy, it's time to dance now. Like, yeah. it's just, I know it's it, we got to dance. But also one of my favorite thing is like parents across the country whose kids watch this stuff they're like parody videos now on tiktok and other like you know when 
when me and the missus are trying to have some intimate alone time. And all of a sudden, Miss Rachel song just pop up in your head. Like, <laughs> is that put set the it mood? in, put it. I'm just kidding. That's the West of Walker show. Oh, do not right. share the thoughts of one Kyle Bailey. All right. Here's some more of his thoughts, and he uh, sings inappropriate children's last theme question, song. Last question. Last question. Hey, Wes, you excited to watch Wake Forest in the uh, the, the Mac next year? Right. Since, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Come on, man. We don't need that. So right, these sorry, lawyers, I hope they don't find anything. From, uh, from the baseball ACC champ to the MAC champ with yeah, their baseball team. Right. I didn't mean to hijack the end of your show, boys. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, please do it anytime. Just, uh, <laughs> well, honestly, I'm sure people would like to hear more of your songs because that song was, I did not expect that oh, coming no, from Miss Rachel. It's a running joke on, in internet circles that, like, you know, your yeah. kid watches so much Miss Rachel that you can't get it out of your head. That's the exact. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, all the Miss Rachel songs turn like sexual all of a sudden. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Mm. All right. So Kyle sings more sexual Miss Rachel songs coming up next from 3 to 6 on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.